fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market laissez-faire capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. And we are one day closer to one of the greatest holidays of the entire year. Welcome in. Merry Christmas to you. I'm going to say that every day now. Can I say that? Merry Christmas every day from here on out because we are just days away from the festivities to begin. Welcome into the show. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. I am going to try to get into festive mode and start playing some of our fun little audio skits and bits throughout the program today, but boy, do we have a heck of a lot to talk about. Welcome into the show. It is a midweek celebration broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas. On our flagship radio station, we are all over the country, though, multiple radio stations, multiple TV stations, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, welcome aboard your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. If you are watching the video feeds on any of those platforms, then first off, you'll see my awesomely festive suit that I wear every single year. Now, I will preface this by saying that some groups do not like me wearing this festive suit because it's got them in trouble, but I don't really care. I wear this. It's a tradition. It is a green suit, and yes, it has the uh, jacket and the pants and the tie. It is green. And it has gingerbread men on there that are smiling and waving that say, bite me. Uh, (laughs) See what I did there? See what I did there? Gingerbread man, bite me. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, Yes, I am wearing that suit today and it's glorious. If you think this is fun, just wait until tomorrow, our final day on the radio before Christmas celebration on the show. We have some more fun goodies that we'll be doing then as well. I have to admit, so first off, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, happy winter solstice to you. Happy Yule, if today is the day that you celebrate that. Or for those of you that may not even know that you celebrate Yule in some way, shape, or form. I'd, and I'll explain that here in just a second. And I want to preface this again by saying I love understanding the way that different people try to practice different ways. Because you ever watch that show, Home Improvement? Yeah. Oh, you know, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Remember the neighbor, Wilson? Where, like, every time they go in the backyard, Wilson was always doing something from different cultures and traditions, and he had all this knowledge and wisdom. He was, like, the smartest guy on the show. Growing up as a kid, I loved that show, and he was always my favorite guy because he had the plethora of knowledge to understand what everybody did. And I've kind of gone down that road myself. So today, if you're not aware, today is the shortest day of the entire year. It is winter solstice, which means the sun goes down a lot sooner. And for the next three days, it will be the shortest days of the year before Sunday on Christmas Day when it will be one minute longer with the sun coming up. Now, in ancient traditions, the summer, the winter solstice was a time of a transition, which is a good thing, but also it was supposed to be good and bad. So any tradition that you have today, a lot of it associated with Christmas, by the way, with the burning of the Yule log or putting the Christmas tree in your home and lighting it up with a whole bunch of lights and decorating your home with a whole bunch of Christmas lights is a winter solstice tradition. Because the theory was, in many cultures was that the three days of darkness, or the darkest days of the year, were the day that the gods died or that they went away. And therefore, you were susceptible to the evil spirits in the world. So what did you do? You burnt the Yule log to keep light until the gods came back or the sun came back three days later. 
coincidentally, the son was born in Christianity uh, as well on the 25th, which <laughs> coincidentally how all that kind of fell into place. But uh, you would burn the Yule log to keep light during the darkest time of the entire year. The whole mistletoe thing, you put the mistletoe in front of your front door to ward off the evil spirits at this time as well. And the Christmas lights and the Christmas tree, first you would bring the Christmas tree in because in ancient tradition they would say that it would keep the uh, the tree spirits warm during the coldest and darkest times of the year. And they would be grateful by putting bells on the branches of the tree. And when it would ring, it would be the sign of the tree spirits uh, thanking you for keeping them warm during the winter time and the Yule time. But then you also decorate it with the candles and the lights and everything as well to, again, keep light during the darkest times of the year before three days later on Christ's birth at the same time, which, I mean, that's when the actual birth is another discussion to be had, but we celebrate the Christ's birth on that time at the same time when the sun and when the gods or when God would rise again after the three darkest days of the entire year. So it's fascinating. I absolutely love it. I think that stuff's really intriguing and fascinating. So if you're into that in any way, shape, or form, happy winter solstice, happy Yule time to you. Go home, burn a Yule log or burn a candle on top of a Yule log, put the mistletoe in front of your front door, and light up the Christmas tree. And that's all I got to do. And most people do that on a normal basis that I've been realizing where those traditions actually came from, uh, which is kind of neat as well. I have to say, it was really neat driving in this morning. I, I was driving to the studio, and we live just outside of town, so I was having a little bit of a country drive as I was getting in. And it was the perfect, the perfect time for winter solstice and for Yule to take place because I got in my car Letting it warm up. It was in its mid-20s, you know, 20 degrees outside in Wichita, Kansas, where I'm at. I have my suit on. Don't really have a jacket because I don't wear jackets. And I start driving down my road, and it's beautiful. It is dark. It is cloudy and overcast. It's foggy, which you never see fog at this time of year, really, at least around here in the Kansas area. It's got the layer of ice on there and the first frost that's all over the place. It looked like... Definitely winter solstice, and it was the perfect way to start off the celebration. And it still looks like, like like that, by the way. I would turn the camera if it wouldn't freeze up on me, but it still looks that way. And now we're expecting the uh, what do they say? The winter storm of the of our generation. That's what they're calling this. Now. The winter storm of our generation, where uh, all over the country we could see massive snowfall, we could see extreme cold. I don't know about the rest of the country here in Kansas. Again, where I'm at, we're going to expect anywhere between negative 20 to negative 40 degree wind chills overnight tonight with a high tomorrow of like one degree. Uh, If that, I love it. I personally enjoy it. But the storm of the generation and everybody's hunkering down. So stay warm. Stay safe. If you are traveling on the roads, then be very cautious and be very safe, as we always try to warn everybody. But other than that, enjoy it. Just don't try to fight it. Don't be angry and bitter about it. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the experience. Guess what? It's winter time, and therefore the cold season is going to be here. The cold outside and the cold in many hearts of those that just are angry and bitter about everything in the world today, which leads us in. <laughs> see the transition there? The nice little segue into our What's Trending story of the day. What's trending today? As we, I, I got to give an update here. We talked about it most of the day yesterday. The omnibus bill is still being debated right now in Washington, D.C., trying to figure out how to extend our federal budget of our $1.7 trillion. We will get to Zelensky, Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of uh, the Ukraine, coming to Washington, D.C., going to be speaking to Congress if he hasn't already later tonight. He met with the president already and talking about more aid to, uh, to Ukraine. 
from the United States. We'll get into that in a second, uh, which bleeds right into the omnibus bill where they're going to be sending near $40 billion additionally to the country of Ukraine if this thing ends up passing, uh, passing which Rand Paul, thank God for this guy, this was, a, this was about a week or so ago, this is a little bit late, but nonetheless, exactly what I think most people have been wanting to hear regarding this budget. You know, there's a short-term debate over whether we do a CR, which is just continuing the, the resolution, continuing the spending, or whether we have an omnibus, which has some more instructions in it. There's a debate over whether it be short-term or long-term. But these are very short-sighted sort of debates, and neither one of them are good for the country, frankly. Neither one of them are going to reduce spending. The voters who vote Republican, conservatives who want to have a Republican Congress, want us to use the power of the purse. And that means we need to control spending and actually fight for our agenda. What you always see is a capitulation. It gets to the end, and it'll be December 18th, and people will say, well, if you don't vote for it, you're going to shut down government. The Republicans run with their tail between their legs, and they just vote for whatever the Democrats want. What I've been proposing, and others have been proposing, is not a CR, not an omnibus. Let's pass 12 individual spending bills, and the one bill that is for the Treasury that's going to fund 87,000 IRS agents, let's hold that one hostage till hell freezes over, and let's never give in. And let's actually defeat them And let's have some policy and show the American people, particularly conservatives, that we will fight and use the power of the purse. Instead, every time it's capitulation. And this is why people get frustrated. This is why people stay home or vote for a third party, because they don't see Republicans with the will and vigor to fight. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Thank God someone's actually saying it in Washington, D.C., because we that's that's literally to a T what we've been screaming about on this program for months and years is, why don't we pass the actual 12 bill appropriations, which, by the way, is constitutionally what we're supposed to be doing, passing the 12 bills of appropriations of what's in the budget, each department. Do they need more funding? Do they need less funding? Can we get rid of a program? Do we need to create a new program? How do we actually streamline things, make sure they're running efficiently? What do we need to do to make sure this country is running on cue as opposed to just <laughs> let's throw it all on a big pile and then try to pass it and then wait till the last minute to try and figure out what's in it? And then Republicans complain, we don't know what's in it. All the other ones are saying, if you don't pass it, then we're all just going to die. Like, that's what we've done for years now, and it's getting a little frustrating. More starting to leak out, by the way, regarding what's actually in this bill, including massive amounts of money going to LGBTQ in elementary schools. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I know it. Oh, yes, that's very true. Uh, as much money is going into, uh, I'm trying to find my headline here, going into the LGBTQ uh, for elementary, trying to let kids know about how woke they need to be in the first, second, third, fourth grades. That's included in this bill. Again, we're not knowing that until the day they're supposed to be voting on it. I haven't seen a headline if they voted on it yet, but they were hoping to vote on it by today. I think the bill technically ends on Friday, so they have a couple of days, but they wanted to vote on it by today because Mitch McConnell, man, he was like, well, we we need to get out of Washington, D.C., and go and celebrate Christmas. Not caring. And the first riff of the Republican parties happened, as we mentioned yesterday, between Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell wanting to ram this thing through as opposed to waiting until Republicans take control and enforce that power of the purse on this one. But what else is in this bill that we're not being told about? 
I mean, if it's $1.7 trillion, yeah, there's a lot going into it from the from the defense side. There's a lot of it going into, obviously, Russia and the Ukraine. There's a lot going into the social programs that we mentioned yesterday. But what are they not telling us that's in here because they wait to the last minute and they don't even either know about it or they don't want other people to know about it? It's a little frustrating, isn't it? And thank God we have someone like uh, Rand Paul that's actually standing up and saying, maybe we should stop doing what we've been doing for so long. And the question is, I ask all the time, when will we start booting out Mitch McConnell and getting in a leader that's actually going to stand and stop capitulating to the Democrats and just caving in because they're saying, well, the government's going to shut down if we don't ram this thing through that's within the last day or two beforehand when we didn't look at it for so long uh, prior to. And now we're being distracted with Zelensky. As he's come from the Ukraine, he's coming out to the United States, which I get. Okay, thanks for all the... Hey, guys, thanks for all the money that you've sent to the uh, to the Ukraine during this conflict. We've been able to maintain our sovereignty. And still, personally, I salute you, my friend. You guys have been able to stay, hold off one of the strongest militaries on the planet, at least allegedly is what they were telling us. And you guys have been able to keep your sovereignty. Good for you. I don't necessarily care for some of the policies of you trying to mainstream and consume the mainstream media in the Ukraine to pretty much be a propaganda arm to the government because we don't like your socialist policies there. But I still defend you for you being able to be a sovereign nation against a tyrant coming in and taking you over because he wouldn't be any better, let's be honest. Vladimir Putin is a crazy radical nut job, and he wouldn't be any better. So you're kind of at a lose-lose Ukrainian people, but at least you can keep your sovereignty and say you're still Ukrainian as opposed to being absorbed to being Russian. This is a perfect distraction at the time when Congress is supposed to be dealing with an end-of-the-year crises right now, and they're all getting rounded up to hear him talk about how he needs more money. Donald Trump tweeted out and said that he is the ungrateful international welfare queen. <laughs> I mean, you can't really argue with that, can you? Lots more coming up. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program, 24 minutes past the hour. So there was a clip I was going to play for you, but it's like almost four minutes long. It's like three minutes and 40 seconds, and I don't know that I have enough time to play it on here today. So uh, it's okay. It's going to fit in perfectly with our special that we do tomorrow. For those that have not listened to this program before, maybe you're new to the podcast, maybe you're new to a listener at a radio station, wherever we air our show on multiple different radio stations maybe you listen to our online stream if you are relatively new and you've not experienced a christmas episode with us here on the show highly recommend it not only because it's my show and i want you to listen to it and i thank you very much when you do but we also like to have a lot of fun on the show is the last episode before christmas we get away from the politics for the most part and we play uh lots of different holiday clips different bits that i've collected throughout the years fun little radio skits little infomercials that we've created on the show, which I do apologize. I did not create this year as many as I normally do. I try to make a little skit about once every month. We didn't really do it. We made a couple this year, and that was about it. So next year, that's my goal, is I'm going to be ramping up the uh, the special content that we do on this show with some of the special features. So uh, we'll be doing that, but we'll play some of those on the show that we've gathered and collected throughout the years. We'll play some of our favorite audio bits and have some fun telling Christmas stories. That's what we do on the program, the final episode uh, prior to. I got the idea, and I, I can't t- say that it's original for me. I got the idea from the guy that I interned for 
when I first started getting into radio. Uh, Mike Rosen out of 850K away. Wonderful individual. He's retired officially now, but I interned for him. I listened to him all through high school all through college, and then I got the pleasure to actually intern for him when I got into broadcasting, and he would always do that, and he would play skits and bits from old Pob and Tom bits and different clips that he's had and different favorite callers that he's had throughout the years, and I love the idea, and I've kind of run with it since then with my program in a little bit different twist and a little bit different fashion. So tomorrow we'll be doing that, and we'll be having a blast with it as well. I do want those that are listening on some of the streams or if you listen to the podcast, I want you to email me, who's your media network? That's H O O S E R, media network at gmail.com. Who's your media network at gmail.com? I want you to email me some of your favorite Christmas stories and let me know what you, maybe some fun stories, maybe some family stories, maybe some ridiculous stories, but things that you remember and recollect and what you love. Movies that you like to watch, things that you like to do, and we'll read some of those on the air as well tomorrow for the program. Real quick, to kind of get back into these issues here, by the way, bottom of the hour, we have William Doyle on the program. He is the author of the book Titan of the Senate uh, regarding Orrin Hatch back in the day, the great compromiser when compromise was actually like real compromise. We'll talk with him regarding the transition of power of the House representatives to Republicans in 2023, coming up in January. And will we be able to work across the aisle? Will there be true compromise in negotiation in government nowadays and moving forward? Or will we go back to the old stagnation of either shut down the government or we get everything that we want, which is essentially what Democrats are doing right now with this bill? As you know, the desperation starting to sink in. They were two seats up in the Senate. Now they're only one seat up in the Senate after the stepping away from the Democrat Party with one of their senators, which was hilarious right after the election because they were all giddy about that. And they realized that Republicans are starting to push back from the conservative standpoint and calling out the Republican leadership to try and stand on a little bit more conservative basis as well, making it more difficult for them to bully the Republicans moving forward. So now, baby, this is their last minute here. They're going into Christmas. They're going into New Year's. They don't have much time when they come back. They are grilling everything they can and throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what noodles stick because they are desperate to get their agenda across. Again, you got to respect Democrats a little bit because they don't care whether it's popular or not. They believe in it so deeply that they're willing to lose in the popular polls and lose in the popular vote in order to get their agenda across because they know they'll be able to continue it on when they get power, whether it's two, four, or six years again down the road. Republicans need to have that boldness moving forward, and I think we can. I think we're optimistic that we have that opportunity to do so. There is a rumor that Kevin McCarthy may be being overshadowed by a new candidate coming up to unite the Republican Party for Speaker of the House, and that name is Steve, uh, Steve Scalise, the House Majority Whip now. That could be interesting. We'll do some of that with uh, William Doyle when we come back right here on The Voice of Reason. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right you are. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today for a midweek celebration on winter solstice on Yule on the day number four countdown until Christmas Day. However you want to look at it. Welcome in. Merry Christmas to you, man. I'm excited. 
I am giddy. I am excited. I said yesterday that it's hard sometimes to get into the festive mood, and you understand this. It's not just my industry. It's really every industry that you work so hard to try and build up until Christmas time, and then you finally get there, and you're like, oh, well, now I'm supposed to enjoy it, but I didn't get a chance to like build myself up into the festive mood. Now it's here, and it's hard to get into the swing of things, but man, I am there. Bit of rock and roll as it is the greatest time of the entire year. I'm not just looking forward to Christmas, although that's an exciting part about it, but then you got New Year's, and then to me, it's always like that reset. You get to wipe the slate clean. You get to set the goals for the next year. You get to build better. You get to look back and reflect and say, how far have I come from the previous year and how far am I going to go for the new year and set your goals to make it happen? I am all about resetting. I am all about hitting that new goal. I'm all about that excitement to continue to build and grow and flourish and do well. And that's what it's all about. I mean, that's what the human experience is about, right? Welcome back into the show. William Doyle, I think he's on holiday break a little early, not able to get a hold of him. We had the same issue yesterday with our guest as well. I think they're in holiday mode and just don't care anymore, but that's all right. It gives us an opportunity because we're going to have some fun. We're going to start off our uh, little festivities here in just a minute. Uh, but in our latest and what's trending still. What's trending today? There is a potential challenge to the Speaker of the House as Kevin McCarthy still not able to get his 213 votes that he needs to become Speaker among the Republicans, still uh, wavering with the conservatives, conservatives not liking him being a little too squishy, which is, I think, a relatively uh, rational concern after seeing what's going on with Mitch McConnell already. Well, we need to pass the $1.7 trillion. We got the rid of the... Uh, imagine this. You get one thing. Again, the Democrats throwing you a bone. You got to repeal the COVID-19 vaccine mandate for military servicemen and women. The one thing. That's cool. All right, cool. We got it. They gave us the bone. And while they complained about it, now they say, all right, we did something for you. Now you need to include money close to $800,000 for LGBTQ agendas for elementary schools. Now you need to increase the SNAP program. Now you need to send $40 billion to the Ukraine. Now you need to send stuff for environmental investments. Now you need to do X, Y, and Z. So for the one thing that we allowed you, remember who's in the dominant part of the conversation here, meaning the Democrats, now that we allowed you to have your piece in the bill, you have to support all 10 of ours. And Mr. McConnell thinks, oh, that's a pretty good deal. I think I'm going to go. While uh, Kevin McCarthy is thankfully standing up against this garbage, but still not able to prove that he's the conservative leader that some conservatives actually want. So there's a new discussion, a rumor, a murmuring behind the scenes of another guy that could be stepping up to try and actually unite the Republican Party and make it happen. And that would be the uh, Republican whip Steve Scalise, who we've had on this program before. And I think, hey, I could go with that. He'd be a little bit better. Still not the most uh, like firebrand conservative, but hey, we're not going to get a firebrand conservative. He is, I think, more conservative or at least more of a vocal individual than a very soft-spoken Kevin McCarthy. I'm not saying Kevin McCarthy's a bad guy in any way. He is a Republican. He's a Republican from California. He's a Republican that's just very soft-spoken. He's like the he's like the just the the very soft-spoken librarian. Can we put it that way? He's the guy that like to whisper normally as if he's in a library all the time. Steve, uh, Steve Scalise, who we've had on the program, and for those that remember, he yes, he was the guy that was shot in the head during the Republican shootout of the uh, guy that tried to go after Republicans on the baseball field a couple years ago. It's that guy. He's back at it. He's a dominant figure in the Republican Party, and I think he could do well as a group of lawmakers has approached the number two Republican about running for the House Speaker in the next Congress if McCarthy's bid should fail. So remember, we have not had a failed vote for the Speaker of the House in decades. Decades. 
It's just assumed if it's Democrats, it's been Nancy Pelosi. If it's Republicans, it was, uh, we, well, we had Newt Gingrich, we had John Boehner, we had Paul Ryan, we had, uh, you know, it's been kind of a rough run for us here on the Republican side uh, since Newt Gingrich, really, I think, on actually running the Speaker of the House and the, the leadership and the Republicans. But nonetheless, hey, uh, we haven't had a secondary or third vote in the speakership for a very long time. And if he does fail, that is a huge blow to Kevin McCarthy. And I can only imagine as a, an establishment career politician how that's going to make him feel, saying that he's owed the speakership because he was the name that came up and popped up right off the bat. Shockingly, because the Republicans really just wanted an establishment Republican to kind of lead the party because that's what we've done. Donald Trump's out of the way. He's not in office anymore. Let's just go back to the way things were. And to them, the way things were was that we have the establishment Democrats, we have the establishment Republicans, and we're just going to kind of go with the flow and get back into business as normal. And the beast has been awakened of the MAGA and the conservatives and saying, "Uh uh-uh, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. And that's why there's so much pushback against McCarthy. And as I've said many times before, it's been good for the Republicans because now we have more conservative leadership within different committees. And we have more say within the uh, the uh, proceedings going on in the House of Representatives based on the negotiation for McCarthy to win the bid. And if he doesn't, then Steve Scalise would be second in line. And I would be OK with that one as well, because we need number one, first and foremost, we have to maintain a Republican before the moderates go side with Democrats to give a Democrat leadership power again in the speakership, even with the Republican majority, because they're fed up with the evil, terrible conservatives that are just trying to sabotage everything. And you know that's coming. You know that's coming. So we have to be careful and we have to know how far to push before we back off and allow things to actually uh, fall together. But Steve Scalise would be a good one. All right, I want to shift gears for a second here because why not? It's the holiday mode. You're tired of politics. We'll keep you apprised of what's going on with the bill. Uh, we spoke or we played the clip just a little bit ago of Rand Paul in the ongoing debate with this omnibus package. And as you know, we like to play the fun little skits and bits. Well, Rand Paul has come out with his own skit regarding the omnibus bill on Twas the Night Before Christmas in Washington, D.C. Shall we play that one? Let's Twas the week before Christmas, and through the Senate and House, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The earmarks were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The senators were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of pork danced in their heads. No budget was found, just mischief and debt, while the taxpayers hung their poor heads and wept. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, senators sprang from their oxygen. What was the matter? <laughs> Away to the window they flew like a flash, tore open the shutters when they heard the word cash. The moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear, but a 4,000-page omni with endless debt year after year. With a little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now McConnell, now Schumer, now Pelosi and Vixen. On Biden, on stupid, on dumber and blitzen. To debt, to bankruptcy, to free money for all. Now dash away, dash away, more cash for all. And then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. 
As the economy threatened to run aground, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of earmarks he had flung on his back, an appropriator's dream opening his pack. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry, his cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. This spending season, instead of naughty and nice, Santa brought everyone something, regardless of price. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head, he said not to worry, there's always the Fed. He spoke not a word and went straight to his work. Undeterred by the debt, he turned with a jerk. For naughty Pentagon that lost billions last year, a fat stocking with extra cash and cheer. And don't forget a delicious candy cane, sweet with $40 billion to tide over Ukraine. Because of the climate, it's not PC to leave coal. No one seems to care because we're trillions in the hole. Don't worry about leaving the budget a mess. Democrats have given you 87,000 agents of the IRS. So St. Nick laid his finger aside his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, his economist agog, numbing the pain with a cup of eggnog. Up and away through the, through the countries in tatters, free stuff for all, sky-high prices don't matter. His last words as the wind lifted his sleigh, if people lack money, just print, it's okay. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, happy bankruptcy to all, and to all a good night. Happy bankruptcy to all and to all a good night. Well done. That was uh, Rand Paul. He posted it out on his tweet yesterday regarding this omnibus package. And it is sad because this is a conversation that, again, we have every year. It's nothing new. It's nothing shocking to most individuals that halfway pay attention to what the government's doing. We don't pass the budget any longer. We wait until Christmas. We wait until everybody's frustrated and angry and they turn their heads and they say, I have family. I have to cook. I have to wrap presents. I have to get my gas. I have to go travel. I have to do whatever. I don't have time to pay attention to what you yahoos are doing in Washington, D.C. And then they ram it through. And then guess what? We're woken up the next year with a great surprise of how much money the government has actually spent. The Twas the Night Before Christmas from Rand Paul. We appreciate you very, very much, brother. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, one more segment around the corner. We'll have some fun to get you set up for the evening tonight and one more episode tomorrow. Speaking of the bailouts and the having to file bankruptcy, my generation, the younger generation, one of the biggest ones with the most amount of debt and being delinquent on bills, the heck does that mean? We'll touch on some of that when we come back right around the corner on a midweek celebration for The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Only one hour of this, man. We goes by way too fast. we got so much to talk about, so many things happening right now, and so much fun to be had. We got to start off the festivities, man. It's getting closer to the festivus for the rest of us. 
If you know what I mean, welcome back <laughs> to the program. Great to have you along for the ride. Uh, just a few minutes left here of the show. So we played the satire bit from Rand Paul, which kudos to him. Thank God. First off, can we just say thank goodness for there are some Republicans out there that are starting to get a sense of humor again. If you've listened to this program for any stint of time, you realize that I'm extremely sarcastic, probably one of the more sarcastic guys on the radio, because uh, the best way to make fun of the other side is with sarcasm, because they're so smart, if you know what I mean. And we need to poke fun of their stupidity from being so smart and having so many of those educated college degrees that they have no clue how to run a country and they ruin it every single day by, ah, uh, the uh, spending and printing money is not creating inflation. You're so smart that you're stupid, and we're going to correct you on that front. So that's what we do to this program. And thank goodness that other Republican leaders and uh, ones on a grander scale than this program right now, that they're starting to come out with some sense of humor. If you remember Ted Cruz, when he was running for president, he also came out with a couple satire bits that we'll probably play during our uh, special tomorrow with our Christmas. But we need that because it gets under the skin. Democrats think they dominate the comedy industry, whether it's stand-up comedy, whether it's like Saturday Night Live, whether it's uh, these different comedy bits, you know, the the Daily Show or the what used to be the Stephen Colbert rapport. Uh, now he's doing the night or the late show, uh, which is god awful, and I can't watch it, and it's absolutely terrible. But they think they dominate that, and when we try to do comedy, it's very difficult for us to do because it's more of an intellectual kind of comedy. There's a little bit lower IQ. Doesn't mean it's not funny at times. It's just a little bit lower IQ. It's more of the fart jokes as opposed to intellectual jokes. And we like to have fun with uh, a little bit more of the intellectuals here on the program. So thanks for that. But in his bit, he mentioned the. Uh, it's, uh, the filing for bankruptcy. Have a bankruptcy to all and to all a good night. It seems to be the case, honestly. It seems to be the safe haven that many of my generation are starting to utilize at the greatest capacity. According to CNBC, young adults are vulnerable to multiple delinquencies as one in five young adults have debts and collections, according to the latest report. <laughs> 18 to 24-year-olds in minority communities face even, even greater financial distress, but with little to no safety net, lower wages, and shorter credit histories, young adults are struggling to manage high-interest debt, according to the new report. This is going to be used for that whole student loan forgiveness program that, remember, is not included in the record-breaking $1.7 trillion budget that we're trying to bait right now. It's going to be on top of that, and that's going to be another close to two, whatever, what was it, $500 billion or almost another trillion dollars, whatever it was going to be. Yeah, that's what they're trying to push on top of this current bill because of how devastating it would be to the economy. But with the lack of financial management skills that young adults apparently have now because of the lack of a financial literacy class in K-12 through education, it's not the fault of them any longer it's now the fault of high interest rates by the way the interest rates many much of it caused by seven percent inflation so they are kind of talking out of two sides of their mouth here while they say that they're the victims but the government doesn't have anything to do with it but they are the ones that have delinquencies meaning they have high student loans they're starting to take out credit cards they're taking out auto payments they're taking out mortgages uh, maybe not mortgages if you're 18 to 24 years old, but they're trying to get new vehicles. They're trying to live outside of their means, which only creates the bubble because we don't understand the concept of managing and living within a budget and living within the means. I know it's a very basic concept, but good golly, how difficult could this be? Don't buy things that are outside of your means. It's not that difficult. 
If you don't have the money for it, then don't get it. I despise credit cards because if you don't have it, then you're not going to get it. And that means that just wants you to pay things off or be able to save up so you can get it, and it's paid out in right. I don't like credit. I don't like loans. I don't like that garbage. It's very. It, I think that people abuse that stuff too much, which is why we saw the real estate bubble during the Clinton administration, if you remember that one, uh, with Bill Clinton in there. But we're seeing the same thing now, but now with student loans, because people have taken out so much money, they can't pay them back, and then they fight for this $15 an hour minimum wage or $20 an hour minimum wage, because by golly, we need to pay for the student loans and have a living. So, employer, I know that it's above what the market has set for the values and qualifications that I bring to the table, but I need you to pay me more so I can pay for the student loan debt and for me to have a social life. Because, by the way, 70% of the money that they're saving from the student loan suspension program right now on not paying on the student loans is not saving up to pay it off without interest accruing. It's to go and have a social life and go tour around the world. Which goes back to not the government's fault on issues here, but you just needing to have a little bit better financial independence and understanding of the way money works to be paid off in debt and be independently financial, uh, financially independent. That's another conversation for another day. Back at it tomorrow for one more episode before Christmas. Until then, this is The Voice Series, and I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.